Hi, welcome to season nine. Um, we're looking at art and science, and this episode is number six, where we're going deeper into what is um, segmentation. Is it more art? Is it more science? So we're going to kind of unpack that today. I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitalian and Sean Wellem, and sometime Sean's dog. <laughs> Maybe not today. <laughs> uh, so Tom, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, so we've been delving into um, different parts of our tools. And as you said, Mary, segmentation is the, the, the one today, uh, strategic, very critical strategic tool. This one happens to be, I don't know, I, well, maybe I'll change my mind by the time that we're done with this discussion, but this one seems to me to be almost equal parts art and science, especially in the way that we look at it. The case for it being science is there's so much data available today for businesses of all types, B2Bs, B2Cs on customers and the, the analytics horsepower exists for you to sort and, and analyze the differences between these customers and, and really come up scientifically with segments, segments of customers. But I, and we, I know we all believe that all segments and all segmentations aren't created equally. And that's where I see um, that we are starting to get into a bit of art because I think the optimal approach that we all believe in needs-based segmentation has a fair amount of uh, art to it <laughs> in terms of make, making sure that it gets utilized properly and actually executed in the firm. So uh, that's just, let's have a general discussion. We all love this topic of segmentation. Um, more art, more science, about the same as I believe right now. What do you think? Well, classically, it depends, doesn't it, on, on, the, on the specifics. But I suppose the way you classified it in terms of if you're looking at data, then obviously there's a scientific element. That, that particularly lends itself to behavioral segmentation because by and large, you can measure or observe how people behave. And one of the ways with this added horsepower of data analytics that we all have more so than, say, 20, 20 years ago, you have the opportunity to treat segmentation more dynamically, for example. So you can, you can create an offer, you can have a promotion, you can measure the results and the, the uh, effect of that promotion and use that data to help you segment. Say these people responded well to this. You don't necessarily need to know why. And that's pure behavioral stuff. You're seeing a cause and effect, and then you can segment people around that and maybe do further experiments. So I think in that context, if you're looking at, at a, a, a consequential action of something that you do, um, a behavior, then it's scientific. But of course, you have to start somewhere. And that hypothesis for segmentation is often based on what do they care about? What, what sort of values and, um, uh, and ideals do they have that might make them respond to a certain offer? So you start with a hypothesis always. And of course, that's, that's pretty artistic because it involves you knowing your customer. So I guess it depends where you start, Tom, would be my, uh, my, my dividing line. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build on what Sean's saying. I think he's right. I think you have to start with art. Because um, let's say you're doing sensing, you know, we have some clients that work in that industry. And the art side of that is, is, is where do you go? Where, what do you start to even segment? I, you know, I could be in the oil and gas industry. I could be in the healthcare business with it, um, electronics, cars. So to start with, I think you have to be, you have a fairly uh, healthy art discussion, creative discussion about where are all the places we should even start to consider. And once 
then you need some science. I mean, you know, be, well, we love, we love cars. So let's go there. You have to bring science in. You have to bring in the data to say, what does make sense in terms of what is our ability in those areas and what, what space can we own, you know, and how big it is, all that. So that's where data has to play a part. So I see toggling there. You, you get artsy, then you need to go science. And then you got to go back to art when you when you decide on what sandbox or what scope you're going to focus on, you uh, start to go deeper. So I'm, I'm, I love it. And I'm just trying to think how many iterations there actually are if you do segmentation really well. It's, it's well, probably never ending, isn't it? It's probably a, it's probably a <laughs> improvement cycle because every time I think there's always a refinement that you can take now there's a danger of, of spending so much time looking for such a small incremental improvement that you're actually wasting more resource than you're going to gain. There's always that sort of uh, um, equation you need to do. But I think in terms of it, it, it only ever gets better. The more feedback you have, the more you validate and can, can focus and sharpen the segmentation message. So I suppose it, it never ends. Um, but it can also, you can have feedback that makes you change direction and realize that, well, maybe we didn't even consider this segment and we should be focusing on them. So um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me is that it, it's, it is continuous. You know, it's, it's not, we've done segmentation. I mean, how often have we heard of people saying, yeah, we did segmentation two years ago. We're still hammering on that particular door. It may well have been the right segmentation, but um, if it's not refining, improving or changing over time, then you're either very lucky or you're missing a trick. Mm. I, I want to come at it from a slightly different angle because before we even talk about art and science and whether segmentations are, well, we already have, but I mean, before you consider art and science, I think you have to have a bigger discussion. Mary, you alluded to one bigger discussion, right? Which is what, you know, industry or marketplace am I playing in before I even consider, you know, how to segment that marketplace a little bit more, you know, but I think there's a, a hierarchy of segmentation that I'll be surprised if you guys don't agree with this hierarchy, but you should tell me if you don't. But I think that the highest level, the most effective part of need of a segmentation, the, the lens to look through is needs basis. Why people do what they do, the why-based segmentation. I think it's the highest level because it speaks to an individual person or an individual organization's motivations, which we all know that that's really super, super important and predictive, right? People love for you to say to them, I wanna show you what others like you that feel the same way, that operate the same way that you do, what they're buying or what they're interested in. So you've got this highest level of segmentation, the most effective part, called needs-based, but because of some of the artistic components to that, there's a lot of art to needs-based, makes it a little bit harder. The next level down to me is the behavioral that Sean talked about. And, and, and I, I think it's, it's the next level down because while there's science that allows you to segment that way and tell you people's behaviors based on the data that you have, again, it's like Sean said, you don't know why they behave that way. So if somebody is a quote unquote, a loyalist in a behavioral loyalist segment, everything we offer to them, they seem to buy from us, you know, and, and, and um, you know, you, you love that segment, but you have another segment that's the opposite, right? No matter what, they don't buy from us, but you don't know why. So you gotta have that needs-based segmentation 
that helps you to understand their motivations. And if you have both, if you have needs-based and behavioral, that's the holy grail because then you have a segment that explains people's motivations and then sub-segments that said, this person buys from us and this person doesn't. I can go to the person that doesn't buy in that segment and try to make an appeal to them based on their motivations, their needs basis. So I think that to me is a hierarchy of segmentation that you, you have to, to start the whole thing with, that you, you've got to go to needs-based if you can get there. Do you guys agree, disagree? I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a pushback. I mean, you'd be disappointed if I didn't offer some counterpoint here. But I think there's um, a potential trap here. I don't disagree that, that the motivations are the, are, the, are the key. If we understand the why, then we've got a much better chance of crafting an offer that speaks very specifically to it. But when you talk about needs, you, you really need that next level up of needs because because needs also have a why. You know, you don't stop when someone says, I need to make loads of money. I need to improve my margins. I need to reduce the downtime. I need to increase productivity and so on. They're all needs. But there's a higher level, which is that as we teach in, in, the, in the laddering technique, why is that important? And you get to that higher abstract of need, so which are closer to values, I guess. And are harder to get to, but I, I guess if we said to people, needs is the is the is the pinnacle. Often, yes, but sometimes no. There's always another question: Why are you looking for that? Why is that a need that you're looking to satisfy? And if you can get to that higher level understanding, you can possibly position yourself in a way that's more resonant to to them. So, I would I would agree generally, but but not all needs are equal, and 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 keep pushing until you've got that ultimate need yeah. the real I agree with Sean and I guess what I would modify slightly Mary I want to hear from you on this I just want to say what I would modify about what I said slightly and this is a good discussion is I wouldn't call I wouldn't say needs based is the highest I would say why based or motivation based right segmentation is the highest if you can get to those motivations Sean that you're talking about those values and you understand the values and you segment on that basis I think that's the most powerful so I actually agree with you and I'm modifying my hierarchy to say why based motivation is the highest then behavioral is the next but you don't get to the why until you've got a good grasp of the of the needs right that's the other thing because you have to have a platform to say why do you want this so needs are certainly critical but you can squeeze more insight out of a need correct yeah i think that um you know I, I'm a bit of a purist where anytime we can get to the needs, it's great, but sometimes you can't. Sometimes you just have to go with behaviors and hopefully it's beyond they buy our stuff or don't, but rather more about other behaviors that help us unlock it. Um, and that's why, you know, one of the most critical tools I think available is a cluster analysis. And with cluster analysis, sometimes you have parts of that that um, are more about the behaviors that they have, the things that they do or the things that they don't, uh, what they buy, what they don't. Um, and you can start to unlock some things there. You have to go deeper when you can to get to the needs that are behind those. But I think that that's one step getting there. And just a little bit about cluster analysis, if you people don't know what that is, that's where you, you know, ask a battery of questions. Uh, typically, there may be some observation in there too. And, um, and either qualitatively, which is a little more art, or quantitatively, where you let the da data, you have a four-cluster solution, five-cluster solution, that is all science, where it takes and puts people into buckets based on their response, 
so that they are more like those people, but mutually exclusive from another bucket. So um, that's when you get really science-y and hopefully the inputs that you have in there do unlock some of those needs. So you can, when you get done with it, it isn't one of those, you know, where, well, they buy our product or they buy this other product or they have never bought a product. That That's not going to get you anywhere. So hopefully the inputs are better than that. I think there's also, there's another science element to to segmentation and it's it's um, it's unpicking the data to, to give a, um, a clue as to how somebody might behave in terms of buying or using our product. Uh, there's such a, a, a huge amount of data on each customer. And sometimes the, the and this is where artificial intelligence or, or high level data analysis can come to your rescue is you could look at actual events. We did this promotion, we made this offer, we did this, what have you, and we got these results and you analyze the results. And you can actually pull apart from that, that from very extraneous data points that don't seem to make sense that need a machine to do it and say, people that fit this profile seem to behave this way. It's kind of like profile, like, like the FBI, right? We're not looking for serial killers, but we're looking for good customers. And, and you don't always need to know why. If you did a ton of data and you, you say you were doing lots of promotions, you're a very fast moving product company. And you suddenly figure out that Tuesday afternoon is the best time for us to drop this message onto the social media platforms. Every other day, every other time, it doesn't work. You don't need to necessarily know why that's the case, just that it is. You've got a strong correlation and you stick with it. And that's the other part of segmentation. One question we get asked is, how do you identify these people? You may say that someone who's a concerned loyalist is a good customer, but they don't go around wearing that T-shirt, right? So how do you find them? But again, you can take people that you know fit that profile, analyze everything about them and look for those correlating variables. So you can use a lot of science to, to give you a clue that profiles customers for the behaviors you're looking for, which starts as an art, becomes a science, and then you can measure the results of targeting that group. So again, it's this continual thing. It never, ever ends. And Sean, that's why I say, you know, that uh, B2B has a strong advantage in segmentation over B2C. I mean, people think of B2C and they say there's all this data available. So where, where with B2B, it's, you know, less frequent purchases, maybe less data available on people's purchasing history, et cetera. But you have one mechanism um, in B2B that you don't often have in B2C, and that's a sales force that calls on these people. So the, 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 and, and they can use their knowledge of the customer and what we might call golden questions to really do the best that they can to put that customer, that customer's business into a segmentation bucket. Now that sounds like a lot of art, maybe it is art, but it be, you, can, you can reduce a lot of the variables in that process. One, by having the sales force participate in all aspects of the actual segmentation process so that they understand and buy into, oh, here are the four or five segments, needs-based, why, I'm sorry, why-based segments that, we're, that, we, that we wanna call on. Now your job as a B2B sales rep is to go and put those customers that you call on into a, a, one of those, those buckets and you probably already know if you're involved with the segmentation process where 60% of them go, just, just from your current knowledge of how, they, uh, how they've acted and in, you know, interacted, interacted with you in, in the past. 
The other 40%, you have help through these golden questions and you can get it probably 80% right, which is you know reasonably scientific. So at the end of the day, I don't believe Y-based segmentation is as much art as, as, it, as it seems on face value. I think there's a process there that is achievable for most B2Bs, but they've got to involve their sales force. The sales force has to be um, bought into to the whole process. And then, you know, in the course of one afternoon with the sales reps sitting at, a, you know, at their screen with their customer list, they can get most of their customers put into a segment and then act accordingly from there. I guess that's that's uh, that's true. I should also throw because we talk about segmentation as, as as if it's 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 a given. Of course, one of the first maybe artistic decisions a business has to make is, is should we segment, right? Do it. Yeah, to do whether to do it or not. Yeah, it's not universally true. I mean, we've had great success, and we believe it to be more true than not. And and find it hard to imagine a situation where some degree of segmentation won't enhance your the efficiency and the, the performance of your offer. But nevertheless, we should say that the first thing you need to do is, is, is ask the question, should, should we segment in the first place? Which is a whole different topic, but I just want to raise that. It's not, it's not a given. It's just um, highly anticipated that segmentation should be part of your strategic armory. But there are exceptions to that. Yeah, if you only have you know five clients or 10, you're in the airline industry and you have two clients, um, segmentation probably is not going to un- unlock anything you don't already know. Right. Uh, but if you have hundred or you know thousands in B two B, then you know probably is, there's some going on there. And what one of my other favorite things is is that the salespeople, when you do have salespeople, they already are segmenting. You know they they already have a bias towards that. That's they're wired that way. And so I guess that's an art because. Um, you know, or a very special skill because they they can walk in and figure out the different needs and 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 work through that. It's a matter of the organization being aligned with them on that. So here's here's my my commercial for segmentation. And if you if you're on the fence about it, and it's based on Mary, what you just said, I think it makes you know. I I think the great your great sales reps already do it, as, as Mary mentioned. I think it can make it takes everybody up a level. Your good become great using segmentation. Your good reps become great. Your mediocre ones become good. <laughs> and maybe your poor ones become mediocre, but should you be willing to live with that anyway? But it does, I, I, I think it, it, it moves everybody up a level just because it is the essence of salesmanship, understanding this customer today that I am talking to, what their needs are, what their concerns are, and connecting my value proposition to that. That's what great sales reps do. Segmentation is sort of the decoder ring that helps all the rest to do that. Yeah, totally agree. So thank you for joining us. Um, We hope that uh, you, if you have done segmentation and you wanna weigh in on our discussion or you have big questions, we are obviously very open to talking about um, any of, of the ideas that you have. Uh, we have all of our podcasts, of course, in our Excellent Marketer website and pretty much anywhere you get a, your podcast. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.